A few weeks ago, Sunday afternoon, I was watching yet a card, a, another cardinal defeat. Um, well, hey, don't, no. Ushers, find that person, please. They can stay, maybe. Um, so, you know, they lose a game. I'm cranky. And, and um, I walk outside because I, go, I, I go work in my garden because working in the garden is really th- therapeutic for me, getting dirt, working with that. So I go outside and uh, we have this thing. By the way, we have this thing called, a, it's called a yard enforcer. Uh, I don't know if any of you have it in your yard. It's, it is a motion detected sprinkler. And it's there to scare away the critters. And so it, it's really fun to see a rabbit or, or uh, you know, squirrel get in its way. And every once in a while I have a deer. And it's there to startle them, scare them away so they don't eat my, my tomatoes, right? Uh, it's also really good at startling human beings. And I think every one of my grandkids have been caught. My wife has been caught one too many times, I think. Uh, she's about to break the thing. And so this day, I know it's activated. I know it's on. And I'm in a cranky mood anyway because the Cardinals have just lost again. So I'm out there and I walk right in front of it. And I mean, I get sprayed right in my midst so completely and I yelled out something. (laughs) I didn't say I cussed. I'm not saying I didn't cuss. (laughs) I am saying I looked around to make sure none of the neighbors were watching. Oh, man, you know, it's funny. Sometimes we can look back at situations like that where we lose our cool and we can have a laugh about it. Um, Sadly, many of the times that we lose our cool, it's not so funny. And there isn't any humor in it later. Um, It is a genuine problem, this thing called anger. I um, decided to reread a portion of a book that has impacted my life in so many ways called The Divine Conspiracy, written by the late uh, Dallas Willard. I think Dallas Willard will be read by Christians 500 years from now. His stuff is so profound and such such an insightful man, such a godly man too. He said this in The Divine Conspiracy, which by the way is a commentary on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He says, anger is is the most fundamental problem in human life. This week, we have all been kind of saddened and captivated by what's happened out in Hawaii and the fires in Maui. Lynn and I had a personal connection there on our honeymoon. We went to Maui, we worshiped at a United Methodist church there in downtown Lahaina. Uh, Lahaina, I don't know how you pronounce it, but there. And it's sad to see what's happened. Uh, the death toll has now hit 89, which makes it the uh, most deadly wildfire in American history. And who would guess that in Hawaii? And we've all seen that and been so struck by it. And yet, here's an interesting statistic. Every day in America, 45 people are murdered. Which means every two days, 90 people, as many, one more, than died in the Maui wildfire. Every two days. And behind every murder, there's a whole bunch of anger. And not just that. Today, a spouse will say something to their husband or wife that they would love to be able to take back maybe later, but it brings a wound. Out of anger, a parent will say abusive things to a child that a child will carry with them for the rest of their life. 
Others will walk around carrying bitterness that just kind of slowly and surely gnaws away at the relationships in their life. I believe Dallas Willard in commenting on Jesus' teachings on anger in the Sermon on the Mount was right. Anger is the most fundamental problem in human life. Richard Walters is a psychiatrist. He says, he says um, anger is a devastating force. And its consequences should sicken us. Anger-related destruction of human life and the human spirit is an incredible national disaster. Um, today I want to talk about the Bible st story told to us in Genesis 4 about the first murder. And if Cain had chosen instead to be unoffendable, we wouldn't be talking about this today. But he was, and it led to his brother's death. There's another murder over 2,000 years ago and involved Alexander the Great. Make me remember from your Western Civ classes, Alexander the Great, considered the greatest military mind ever to live on the face of the earth. He led the Greek armies. He conquered the known world by age 30. Um, and, and he had a friend, a childhood friend, named Cletus, who was a general in his army. One night, Cletus got intoxicated and um, not thinking straight in front of his men and fellow generals, he ridiculed the emperor. They'd been friends forever. Said things he never should have said. And Alexander erupted in anger. He grabbed his spear, intending to scare him, threw it and went straight through his heart and Cletus died instantly. Alexander was so distraught and so upset that he turned the spear and tried to kill himself and his men had to intervene and keep him from doing so. And they said the next several days, he lay in bed calling out for his friend, calling out for him in vain. In his book, Managing Your Emotions, Erwin Lutzer says, Alexander the Great conquered the world, conquered many cities, many countries, but he failed miserably to conquer himself. Today, as we talk again about this subject, at its core, we're talking about conquering ourselves, but not by our own power or our own might, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit to live differently, to go a different path. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to truly be unoffendable, to not let anger take root in our heart, and to walk in a different path instead of the the path of Cain. So um, we're looking at a story found in Genesis 4. And God asked a question to Cain. A question I think is relevant for all of us. A question I ask you because I ask myself. Why are you angry? Well, look back at the story. Let's go back. Uh, verse, verse 3 uh, we get the background here. In the course of time, Cain, we're told, you know, they're two sons of Adam and Eve. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soils and offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Interestingly, this takes place in the context of worship. They've come, they've brought an offering. 
and I've preached on this in the past, I've, I've really taken the angle, looked at the offering. Abel um, brings some of the, the very best. He, he raised cattle, raised herds, and he, he brings fat portions. In other words, he brings his very best. He doesn't, he doesn't just bring hamburger. He brings, he brings uh, filet mignon. He brings, you know, the best steak that you can bring. And God looks with favor on it because he really, it was a sacrifice for him. Abel just threw together some of the stuff in his garden and kind of tossed it in front of God. And God wasn't pleased, didn't accept his offering. Um, and so Cain gets angry. Why is that? Well, I think it's, first of all, it's interesting that God asked the question as, as if God doesn't know. God is a good question asker. Genesis 3, the chapter before this, when their parents sinned, and it's after the sin, and God comes walking in the cool of the day, and the very first thing that God says after the first sin is committed is, where are you? It's not as if they were hiding so well that God didn't know where they were. He doesn't ask the question for his sake. He asks the question for their sake. He wants them to know where they're at. And he wants Cain to know what's going on in his heart. Jesus asked 380 questions. And of the 183 questions that Jesus was asked by others, 180 times he responds with a question. And so God asks good questions because he wants us to think and he wants us to come to the conclusion and see the answer for ourselves. So why are you angry? I have to ask that question of myself often. As I've shared on occasion, I probably, number one, said I battle with is anger. And um, I've come to realize part of the reason for that is my personality type. Some personalities are more prone to being angry than others. Uh, I have this personality. You could look at any kind of different test that's used to develop, you know, look at personalities. And there's, you know, whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. But, but part of it is I, I have x-ray vision. I can walk into a room. And I can see all the things that are going on. I can see all of the good things, and I can also see all of the bad things. And I can see the things that need to get fixed, which means I can be a real asset to other people because I can help, you know, see what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know what's coming next. I can also be a pain in the you-know-what because I see what's wrong. Now, a lot of times, I have no control over the thing that's wrong, and so I see that, and then I get angry. And then by the end of the day, I'm carrying this anger. And I have to ask, why are you angry? Why? Because sometimes I don't know. I won't ask for a show of hands, but there may be others out there. And you may not even know why. Now, um, anger is an emotion. And because it's an emotion, it doesn't always, it isn't always logical. And, and sometimes it just is there. And um, we may not even know why. Anger is announcing that something needs to be changed. Just like pain in your body is saying something's wrong, anger is announcing that something needs to be changed. Now, digging a little deeper in this situation, there's something more. Why was Cain angry? Because he didn't get what he wanted. He wanted to present this chintzy offering and get an attaboy from God. He wanted to hear words of affirmation. 
He wanted God to smile upon his offering just like God smiled upon the offering of his brother. But God didn't do that, so Cain gets angry. James tells us this in in his letter, gets to the root of a lot of uh, human quarreling and fighting. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. Come back to that part a minute. James saying, just a lot of fights and a lot of quarreling, you just don't get what you want. Cain didn't get what he wanted that day. This is talking about the, the kingdom of self is involved here. Uh, Dallas Willard gives the classic definition for uh, a kingdom. Your kingdom is the range of your effective will where what you want is done. Now, every human being has autonomy. Every human being has uh, a certain kingdom. And when we're little toddlers, you know, tod- you can see toddlers are trying to figure out where does my kingdom end and his begin, you know? And there are constant odds about that. And through life, we're struggling like, okay, where do I get what I want and where does this involve the other person? And sometimes if we don't get what we want, we get angry. Could that be what's going on here? Apparently, the King, Cain's kingdom is being violated because he wants something and he doesn't get it. So why angry? That's a good question. Now, let's look a little deeper here. Let's look at what goes on in this passage. And we see some things that God begins to do working with Cain. So, verse 7. Um, so, Lord asks, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. So the first thing that God is saying to Cain, one of the messages here is step away from it. Step out of the anger quickly. He uses the example of almost like a lion. He says it's, it's sin is crouching at your door like a lion and it's hungry and it's ready to consume you and you have to master it. You have to take charge of this situation, Cain. He sees where this is heading. God knows all things. And wasn't this the, the admonition given to us in the passage we looked at? If you were with us last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it quickly because letting that anger go um, is going to go to bad places. So, when we see in scripture, this, this pattern again, we see people get angry. What God or one of God's people, a prophet is trying to say is call the people back, step away from it, move away from it quickly. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. We, we know that two of Jesus' disciples had an anger problem because he gave them kind of a playful nickname. James and John, he nicknamed the sons of thunder because they had, they, had, they had temper and they were easily angered. They were easily offended. So playfully calls them the sons of thunder. Well, one day 
There, it says in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus has resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem. He's in the north, and the quickest, easiest route is to go through Samaria. Well, you know, the Samaritans and Jews don't like each other. Quite frankly, they hate each other. And, and so they try to go to the Samaritan village and stay the night. So he sends a couple disciples there ahead of him to go ask permission and find a place. And they say, no, you can't, you're going to Jerusalem. You can't come in here. You're Jew. So James and John, they come back, and they say to Jesus, thinking they're going to get an attaboy, Hey, Jesus, why don't we just call down fire from heaven and consume the village? I mean, God gets angry, right? We have a right to be angry too. At all it says, Jesus turned and rebuked them. That's it. God calls us to back away from it. Um, also invites us to talk to him about it. One of the best things we can do when we're angry is to talk to God. If you read the Psalms, and I encourage you to read the Psalms, read one a day. If you do that every day, it'll become a lifeline for you. It'll become a beautiful part of your walk with God. I've been reading the Psalms daily for decades now. And I love the Psalms. And there's some Psalms that I couldn't stand up here and read without giving some explanation because there's some angry stuff. If you've read, I remember giving that counsel to someone, new Christian. She says, oh, my gosh, why was he so angry? Well, it's there. Better. What is the Psalms? It's the prayer book of the ancient people of Israel and songbook. Better to pray it to God than carry it out in your life. Now, it's interesting. God speaks to Cain, but Cain doesn't talk back. Do you notice that? If you're a parent, have you ever had to you know, scold a child or, or kind of con, you know, correct them? And I, I have four kids. I, I, have you ever had them kind of cross their arms and they get that pouty look on their face and they won't even look at you? I, that's how I picture Cain. Lower lip out. He's got his arms crossed. He won't even look. By the way, fascinating thing here. I don't know in what form or fashion, but God is there somehow or another in person. People say, well, if God would just show up in person, I'd believe. Well, Cain isn't convinced. He believes, but he's angry. We're, we're, he's angry with God. And God is inviting him into a relationship. That's what happens in the Psalms. This is just one of many. Look at this in Psalm 10. The psalmist says, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? He's angry. He's angry with God. Why aren't you here for me when I'm facing trouble, God? I say, why would he say that? It's good. He's, he's admitting that to God. And in the psalm, he works through it. One of the best things you can do, friends, is to, is to um, talk through it with God. Now, I think it's interesting because I think right here, he says, sin is crouching at your door. Now, I want you to hear this. Anger as the emotion, when you feel angry, is not in and of itself sinful. It's an emotion. We are created with all kinds of emotions. So at, at this point, sin has not entered the picture with Cain, but he's going there very quickly. That's why he's telling, it, 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 calling him, step back from it. Step back from it. Because it's not going to, it's going towards sin, and that line is going to pounce on you, and it'll consume you, Cain. But instead of, Talking with God, he just kind of pouts and ignores what God says. Friends, one of the most powerful tools you have 
is, is prayer. A historian in um, Minneapolis has written a book on, um, she has studied uh, Midwestern girls' diaries over the last 150 years. And, and, and she's read them to see if there's any trends, any things that you can learn from how um, young girls, people in general, reacted to things 150 years ago in America. It's all Midwestern girls uh, compared to today. And then she writes her conclusions or some observations she made about these diaries and what girls wrote about. And one of the most striking things is she noticed that 150 years ago, 100 years ago, girls uh, saw their lives in a more spiritual context and were more prone to call out to God for help and were more prone to write prayers far more than today. In fact, it's almost disappeared. It could, could it be that the, the, part of the anger problem that we have in America is that people have backed away in their relationship with God and they're not talking to God like our ancestors did 100 years ago, 150 years ago. Makes a difference. And then God says this. He says, um, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? You know, he's, he's, failure, friends, failure is never final with God. Cain, you, you didn't bring a good offering this time. Okay, get it right. Bring a better one next time. You can do what's right. This, this isn't, you know, he's not angry about the, you know, the chintzy offering. He just rejects it. And, and God is it saying, you can do what's right, Cain. Take, take this as motivation. What that emotion can do is it, is it can motivate us to do something good. But still, we got to back away from the, from the anger. Let go of it. Um, and doing good is the positive replacement. It's, it's one thing to tell somebody, don't do that. In fact, when you lay down a law like that, they're more likely to do it, right? We're more likely to do it. Uh, if I say right now, you know, the whole thing, don't think, don't think about a pink elephant. That's what you're going to do, okay? Um, so it's not just don't be angry. It's do good. Do what's right. Do something positive. And this is the message again that we saw last week. Let me refer, return to Ephesians. I didn't focus on this part of the passage last week. Right after Paul says, get rid of all anger, verse 32. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, Notice, always when we're told to follow God's example, it has to do with love. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do, do something good with that. That's what you do. Instead of, instead of you, you replace it. So psychologists, they say, well, express it. Just vent it. That only makes matters worse. Others just say, just ignore it. And some, some Christians kind of get that. It's like, well, if I just deny that I have it, and I'll, just, I'll just suppress it. That's like taking a big beach ball and trying to hold it underwater. You can do that for a little bit. 
but it's going to come up in a, no, eventually. And says, replace it. Replace it with love. That's, that's what Paul says in this extended passage in, in Romans. I love this, these words. Listen. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Uh, by the way, one of the things, I've had several conversations this week, and one of the things that people pushed back on and were questioning was, you know, God gets angry. Shouldn't we as followers of God get angry too? Um, there are some things that God in his nature can do and handle that we can't. Right here we're told vengeance is one of them. God is a God of vengeance. But he says, no, 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 you don't take vengeance. We're not vigilantes. You leave that to God. I think one of the reasons we so misunderstand God's anger, which we talked about last month in a short message series on the Old Testament, God's anger is never quick, always slow to anger. It's measured, it's purposeful. It's never flying off the handle. I think one of the reasons we so misunderstand God's anger is we have seen so many bad examples of human anger. Uh, that's one of the things, don't take vengeance. And, and, and God can handle anger. You and I can't. So as if, on the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, Give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do something good. Um, don't just be offended at the things you see in the world. And we see a lot of things. You walk through this world, you're going to see a lot of stuff that's, that's wrong and offensive. Instead, do good. And let that demonstration of love change people. I mentioned that I got the title from this book by Brant Hansen called Unoffendable, and this became my word for the year. My, my word for 2023 is to be unoffendable. And so when I'm offended uh, daily, I remind myself not to be. He tells this beautiful story early in the chapter, I mean early in the book about a guy, a friend of his named Michael. Michael was an evangelical Christian and um, decided to open a coffee shop in a large downtown city and, and uh, uh, by a major university in an arts district. And he bought a building that had been for many years used as an exhibit hall, art exhibit hall, and would host this annual fundraiser, a big fundraiser for AIDS research every year. And, and uh, he, buying that kind of displaced that thing. And so paper wrote it and all about him moving in and he was gonna bring in Christian speakers and, and Christian musicians and uh, uh, you know, open this coffee house. And Brant says, yeah, I know that's not going to go well because I know the community he lives in, that's not going to be received really well. And so um, Michael's out one day, and he's walking on the streets downtown, and he runs into one of the organizers of that um, art exhibit that used to be held there annually. And uh, he said, yeah, we're, we're trying to find another place now. Michael said, you don't have to find another place, just do it my place. He says, no, you, know, you don't have to do this. He says, no, no, I really want to. He says, you understand some of the stuff there, uh, you, you know, you're not going to find taste. He says, that's all right, you're welcome anyway. So the night comes for this, and um, let me just read this from his book. He says, my wife and I went to the exhibit, and sure enough, we didn't like some of the art for a variety of reasons, though much of it was stunningly thoughtful and beautiful. 
Well, Michael had told the event organizers that he didn't need to appreciate all the art. He just wanted them to make, he just wanted to make them feel at home. Said, instead of being evicted by Christians from the best location for the exhibit, the artists were welcomed. Says Michael and his wife met everyone at the door. He dressed in a tuxedo. Oh, he paid for all of the hors d'oeuvres and the wine and served hors d'oeuvres and wine, chocolate-covered strawberries. Live music filled the room. Turned out to be the best exhibit the group ever had. They said, that was Michael's style. He hugged everybody. He talked freely about Jesus, but people didn't mind. He told me he would just talk to people about the goodness of God because he knew deep down that everyone is yearning for a God like that. And instead of being offended, he just showed love. And there in the heart of that city, in the heart of a neighborhood that may normally be antagonistic, Michael was shining his light brightly for Jesus. Um, so do good. Well, Cain doesn't listen, does he? You know the rest of the story. Um, he takes his brother out to the field and he kills him. Now, one day we could spend a whole message on Abel. Jesus calls him righteous Abel. He never says a word here. And he's really, truly the victim. He's only murdered because he did what was right and his brother didn't. But his brother doesn't walk away. And I wonder how long there was a gap between that day and the day he murdered his brother. Did the anger build over time? Did he begin to seethe? Did his brother feel it? Oh, you know he felt it. Anger is the will to harm it may never get to murder. It may never. But you know what it's like to have someone angry with you, and you feel it, don't you? The icy receptions, the angry stares, the words. Sometimes I've had people saying, I can, like, feel it in my body. Anger is the will to harm. And maybe it built over time and built over time. And he never stepped away from it. Dallas Willard says, stepping out of anger means you're surrendering your will to God. It means you have accepted that you don't have to have your way. At the heart of it, you don't have to have your way. It could have been different. God told him that. You can go a different way, Cain. You don't have to stay in this situation. You can do right. Again, to quote Willard, to cut the root of anger is to wither the tree of human evil. In Colossians, Paul says this, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now is the time to get rid of it. and be unoffendable. And it's a transformation of the heart. It's, it's learning to live in the kingdom of Jesus where I am regularly saying, not my will, but your will be done. Where I am walking out of my kingdom, which is all about me getting what I want and my way and surrendering to the will of Jesus and living his way. And friends, it can be done. I know it because I witnessed a transformation take place before my very eyes. 
My mother was a very angry person and she had a lot of reasons growing up in the Great Depression and being shipped from house to house and being um, verbally and physically abused at times. I don't even know all the story. My mom was very angry and she had an explosive temper. I'll never forget the day I was eight or nine years old, maybe 10, when she walked down to our neighbor's two doors down at the corner of our street and got in a shouting match. I don't know what they did wrong. She didn't like something they did, and they got in this shouting match. And I'm a kid. I'm sitting there on my bicycle just horrified at everything that's happening and embarrassed. We had a rocky relationship with our immediate neighbors for various reasons, and they would get in arguments. And again, as a kid, I, I just would see this, and so it was difficult, you know. But that was my mom. Well, in 1974, Billy Graham came to St. Louis. My mother had always gone to church, but that night she gave her life to Jesus. She went from being a religious person to having a relationship with Jesus. And I didn't know the Lord yet, and I told her, you didn't need to do that. But I began to witness a transformation in my mother that is as real as anything I've ever seen. Um, She became a very gentle person, a prayerful person. My mother was a prayer warrior. When she retired, she would spend hours a day praying. She read the scriptures. And I can honestly say, I was reflecting on this. It was 20 years ago this June, my mother passed away. I can honestly say that over the last 20 years of her life, I never saw that temper reappear. Never. She was transformed by the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And you can be too. If you will surrender the keys to your kingdom and give them to him. And be unoffendable. Do you pray with me? I don't want to just pray and end this <clears throat> sermon. I want to give you an opportunity to pray yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to give you an opportunity as you sit here with your eyes closed, just focused on the Lord. Let me begin by asking you a question Why are you angry? Now, I'm not implicating everybody. A lot of you here may not be angry. That's great. Some of you truly are, and you don't really know how to answer the question, and maybe you think, oh, I'm not angry, but people around you ask what they think. Why angry? I'll be honest, some some might need to um, get some counseling about that. I'm not ashamed to say I have. Why angry? I want to invite you right now, best of your ability, to talk to God about it. Tell him what you think it is. Or at least say, God, would you reveal it to me? Would you show me? Go in your own words and just say that.
Maybe for some of you for the first time, you want to surrender the keys to your life, to the king, and declare that he is king over your kingdom. If so, go ahead and do that right now. Others, give the keys over again. Maybe there's a person in your life that really just gets on your nerves, offends you. Maybe everything they believe and stand for is just completely opposite of you. Would you pray that God would give you power in the Holy Spirit to show that person or those persons love? Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit empower us to master this anger to have the fruit of the Spirit which is self-control and not to be run by our emotions Jesus, would you do that transforming work? Would you do that long, slow work in us? Come, Holy Spirit, and change us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Hey, everybody, we hope you're doing great. We're so glad that you tuned in today. If you like this video, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and share it with anyone you think could benefit. We're excited about all the content we have coming up and can't wait for you to see it. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out. If you're curious about LaCroix or if you're looking to take the next step on your journey with Jesus, check out LaCroixChurch.org. We love you and we hope to see you again soon.